Hey everyone, we are here today with Jarrett McGovern, one of the co-founders of Arise Brewing Co. Hello. Hi, in the Rise Cafe in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Rise Brewing Co. was founded in 2015, and it is it specializes in nitrogen-infused organic coffee, and it is absolutely delicious. Thank you. We are obsessed with this coffee, and we cannot wait to take a deep dive. Make sure to watch our YouTube video we did a fun video with Jarrett about how to make a special coffee drink using their canned nitro cold brew cans that you yourself can have in your fridge <laughs> as we do. So let's get right into it, Jarrett. Right. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? So I grew up in Greenwich, Connecticut, um, and um, I moved to Miami for a couple years and then mm -hmm. California for a year. And then I lived in New York City for 10 years when we started Rest. Okay, and you knew your co-founders since high school? Before. Um, so co-founders grew up together. Uh, we've known each other since we were probably like six, seven years old. Playing uh -huh. like Manhunt. And, That's great. You know, uh, tag and all that kind of stuff. Oh my gosh. So tell us all their names. Uh, Grant Gajewski, Justin Weinstein, and Hudson Gaines Ross. And are they all still involved? Everybody's still involved, yep. Um, we, uh, we're, we're, we're attacking every day together. Uh, we feel <laughs> like we're on a team, and um, we have an awesome, awesome team and, and uh, a great um, kind of community of people that uh, all feel like they're part of the team as well. Right, and so how many are there of y'all now? Now, I mean, we, we, so since we've expanded with, uh, you know, getting into, like, Walmart and, um, you know, Safeway and... A bunch of stores on the west coast we probably have about 40 people on our team wow that's great oh my gosh. Awesome. and so grant moved to portland in order to help expand in the pacific northwest yep yep so grant uh is our ceo and uh moved our corporate headquarters out to, to oregon and uh, we're doing really really well out there we we signed on with a really big distribution company okay um called columbia Dis distributors and um they pretty much sell the most beer and Red Bull in, in Washington, Oregon, and Northern California. And it's been a really big opportunity for us. So we, we thought that it'd be best to have somebody out there who could um, kind of tell the story as to like mm -hmm. how we started and yeah. actually have someone on the ground as opposed to hiring salespeople, mm -hmm. making it feel organic, you know, like uh, really putting our flag in the ground out there. Um, and it's been really, really awesome and successful. That's awesome. Cause that's, they're known for the coffee and the craft. It's a strong coffee. market already 100%. to break into, so that's great. So how did all of that happen? So they actually uh, kind of identified us. Um, they had launched a uh, another coffee brand called Stumptown. Yeah. And Stumptown cans were not shelf-stable. And when mm. you're working in the beer industry, uh, all the trucks that distribute the beer um, are not refrigerated. So you have to have mm -hmm. a can that is shelf stable so they identified a couple of brands that they like really like the taste of um and and the branding one one of them was ours and we went out there met with their team and they basically said if you guys can uh produce this same quality in a shelf stable can we'd love to launch you um and you know we know the playbook because we launched Stumptown out here so we worked really hard to figure out how to make our can shelf stable and once we did we we launched out there with them awesome yeah, and that's been huge for us because, you know, now being able to sell on Amazon and, right. uh, and, and even with Walmart and going mm -hmm. like 
coast to coast, um, having shelf-stable cans is huge. Mm -hmm. uh, you can ship it a lot easier. You can store it a lot easier. Um, the consumers don't have to store everything in the refrigerator either. Mm -hmm. uh, the supermarkets don't have to store everything in their cold storage. So it just makes it a whole lot easier um, from basically, you know, brew to, to enjoyment, uh, you know, in, in mm -hmm. the consumer's home. And, uh, yeah, and I think Amazon has, has been absolutely huge for us. And there's really no way to sell a product unless, um, you know, you're shelf stable. Right, exactly. Well, Amazon is a lifesaver since sometimes when we realize that we're running low, it's in the, like one can range and Amazon, we can get it next day sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's the best. Right. The best. And they, they do a great job too. And I think for us, like all, all the distributors that we use, the most important thing for us, and it has been since day one, is to make the best tasting coffee product mm -hmm. using the best ingredients and working with the best teams to distribute our products to make sure that you know they get to consumers as soon as they want it you know we never want mm -hmm. anyone no matter where you are in the world especially in the country if you want to rise we want to make sure we're there for you and uh, we've created a system that you can easily get it you know I think right. uh, having someone who wants to drink or rise coffee and not being able to find it or get it mm -hmm. um, is something that we don't like right. you know we're, we we started this product um, you know we were literally brewing you know for our future wives and <laughs> um, and 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 our friends and we were just really proud of what we were making right. and and they were the ones actually that kind of pushed us to say this is awesome like you've got to share this with so-and-so mm -hmm. and so-and-so and my friend owns a restaurant please you know sample it with him right. or her and and the, the feeling that and the passion that we wanted to make something that tasted awesome, that was good for you, and we wanted to share it with as many people as possible is what drove us then, is what still drives us today. Yeah. Um, and making sure that the taste is as good as anything mm -hmm. we've ever had. Mm -hmm. And so how do you deal with out-of-stock issues? Because somehow in September, there was like two weeks or something that it was sold out on Amazon, mm -hmm. and I kept checking every day, <laughs> hoping that it would yeah, come that, back. That was right around the time People Magazine came out with an article wow. um, get, saying that our oat milk latte was the best new coffee product of the year. Oh, and, Lord. And uh, we didn't quite anticipate the growth right? that, that Congratulations. That would That's fabulous. But, um, you know, I think, you know, we just brewed overtime. And then okay. that's something that we did, you know, day one, I think, you know, we, we used to be able to brew basically one keg an entire, like every mm -hmm. 24 hours, uh -uh. And, you know, and now we're, we can can hundreds of thousands of cans a day. So wow. we've grown and scaled it that way. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I think for us too, we always want to make sure that everything that we're delivering to the consumers yes. as fresh as possible yes. of course so we want to make sure we have enough uh inventory but we also want to make sure yes. that we're always brewing something fresh yeah right um, and that's actually one of the best benefits of nitrogen is when you brew with nitrogen and condition coffee with nitrogen it gets all the oxygen out so when coffee's not getting oxidized, it actually stays like as fresh as the day we mm. brewed it in a can for us for over a year. Oh, that's um, neat. And because it's basically not getting oxidized, if you think of like a banana or an avocado, mm -hmm. it gets oxidized, it changes color, mm -hmm. it changes taste. Um, our coffee doesn't get oxidized. So mm -hmm. nitrogen is actually one of the best, if not the best natural preservatives in the world. Mm. Wow. Well, I that's great. And it's one thing to say, yeah, we're keeping the quality as we grow, but 
a lot of times that people promise that, but it doesn't work out that way. But y'all are really committed to doing that, which 100%. is so commendable. Yeah, we've been we've been committed to making the best tasting thing mm -hmm. we can possibly make since day one. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, you know, because we kinda, we, love it. we set out to make the best tasting thing. We didn't set out to start a company and to scale us. it and all of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's and really so keeping that same element. mission, you know, statement and like that kind of like core belief that we've all had mm -hmm. um, since day one is not always uh, the easiest when you're trying to right, scale. Right. But at the same point, it's the most important thing. So we exactly. go the extra mile to figure it out. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. Well, I can assure you that it will certainly not sit anywhere for a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when we first used to sell our, our kegs, so our, our kegs of coffee, which is how we started, um, we used to homebrew using uh, a cold brew system called the toddy. Mm -hmm. And then we'd brew a couple batches of that, and that would take about 20 hours. And then we'd filter out all the coffee grinds, and we'd pour it into a keg, and then we'd nitro the keg. Um, at this time, it was either in my apartment or in the East Village. Uh, eventually, we started scaling our operation into Grant's Garage once we started getting big. <laughs> I love um, it. And, and at that point in time, you know, we just, like, um, the nitrogen aspect of it was very, very new to people. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and it was new to us as well. Mm -hmm. um, so we would pitch our potential clients and we'd say, look, this keg stays fresh for six months. You know, right. we have to do initial testing and everything. It stays fresh in a can for a year and in a keg for, for about six months. And they'd be like, okay, well, you know, we'll, maybe we'll take a shot. And when you think about it, it's like, okay, well, we'd pitch them in the summertime. We're like, you have between now and October to finish this, you know? Right. And they're like, okay, we'll give it a shot. Yeah. Um, and, you know, inevitably every client really would call us back like two or three yeah. months later. The right. Like, okay, we need another one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's so fun. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm having so many questions. And so let's get into the nitro before I forget this one. Yes. So you've had some interesting different drinks pop up at different companies that are very large coffee companies, mm -hmm. maybe because they've seen the success of yours. So how have you dealt with, maybe I don't even have to name them, but other very large coffee companies not copycatting? Yeah, I mean, copying is the greatest form of flattery. Yeah. And um, I think for us, like, we don't view other coffee companies as competition. Yeah. We almost view it as we're all collaborating together. Um, at the end of the day, we're all competing against either Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks, which are right. always going to be way bigger than us. And we view this as like we're craft brewers. So right, we're right. always going to be the Budweiser and the Coors, but we want to be the best craft brewers out there. Right. Um, and th whether that's Brooklyn Lager or Stone or mm -hmm. uh, Sierra Nevada mm -hmm. or Goose, all mm -hmm. these different beer companies, the biggest competition for them and the biggest competition for us is ourselves. We need to make a product that tastes really good. Mm -hmm. On the coffee side of it, another competitor we have are local cafes. Mm -hmm. and, and then the, other, the third is actually making coffee in your own home. So we actually support other brands that are making similar products to us, RTD Coffee, because what it is is it's trying to educate the cons consumer and inform the consumer, really, that the best tasting cup of coffee you've ever had 
you can buy in a can at a grocery store or at right. a gas station or at a bodega mm -hmm. um, and you don't have to prepare it at home and you don't have to go to a cafe you can actually have six of them in your refrigerator at home mm -hmm. so we, we celebrate other brands that are making really good products um, and and we root for them because it just creates a bigger market for us um, in terms of some of the innovation that we've had um, the cool thing about us is we've you know we're home brewers at heart <clears throat> so we constantly at our brewery are messing around with different mm. you know combinations of things nitro and everything from alcohols to juices to you name it um, and I think one, two that you're alluding to is our citrus line. Uh, you know, we started, we loved Arnold Palmer's, so we started combining mm -hmm. organic lemonade with organic cold brew. And it was awesome. And we launched it at our cafes and turned our cafe into a lemonade stand. Mm -hmm. so and people loved it. And, you know, we said, okay, well, if people like it on draft, let's can it. And then right. we canned it and launched it at the cafe and people started buying it. Um, and when, those products are actually the two the two that got us into Whole Foods. Mm. And uh, at the time, we just had a seasonal label on our cans, and Whole Foods said, well, we love these products. Um, we want to take them in, but you've got to take off seasonal. I'm right. Like, okay. Um, so that's how we got in there. And then I think you're now seeing a lot of different uh, citrus combinations of coffee out there. Um, I think at the root of it, you know, we saw a lot of people – uh, athletes, um, you know, we, we sell now to the Mets and the Yankees and the Red Sox, White Sox, uh, wow. a bunch of different sports teams. But we see a lot of people drinking coffee before their workout. Oh, yeah. We sell, like, yeah. Equinoxes and then even after and then powering them through the workout. So the core belief was how do we how can we create an energizing and refreshing drink? Right. And so that's how we started playing into the citrus line. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's also what people just enjoy about our black coffee mm -hmm. is that the cold brew has a lot less acidity. Mm -hmm. um, so it tastes naturally sweet. And then it's served cold. So it refreshes you and energizes you at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It would be hard before a run to say, I'm going to have a big cup of hot coffee. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, you know, we, <laughs> this we, is wonderful. I think the first time we all cold brewed was in Costa Rica. Um, really by any means necessary. We had coffee grinds, we had a pitcher, and we just basically took coffee grinds, put it in a pitcher, threw some cold water in it, stuck it in the refrigerator, and then before like going surfing in the morning, it's 110 degrees out, and so we poured what at that time was just cold coffee to mm -hmm. us, but that was the process of cold brewing. Um, because we wanted to enjoy something cold right. and refreshing and energizing to wake hot. us up in yeah, the morning. Right. Um, so yeah, that's that's how we first started. And I think that when cold brew really took off, we kind of like harked back on that. We're like, oh wow, that's why mm. we were, the Costa Rican coffee was the best coffee we ever made. Right. You know, it was the same process, um, but at the time we didn't even really know that we were actually you were cold brewing. Cold brew. Yeah. Because yeah. didn't Grant take a year off and? That mm -hmm. kind of led to all of this, and his parents were concerned that he was taking a year off. Was there something like that that I was reading? Yeah, he he, he took a year off and went to Costa Rica and traveled around. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's when the cold brew started? Yeah, I think, I think we were just all, you know, I think we were cold brewing at that time without knowing what we were doing. Right. You know, and then, and then years later, cold brew just became a thing. And then when we tasted it, what we were making at that time, like 2014, cold brew just exploded. Every right. cafe had it. 
And then we were just like, why was the Costa Rican coffee so much better than coffee yeah. at home? And then it all just started to like add Come up. Come into place. Yes. Yeah. And how did you split the duties of the four founders? So at that time, um, you know, I think Grant and I were brewing and uh, Justin was leaving finance because he like loved the taste of what we were making and I think we were just all driven by like this passion to create our own team really get behind a product that we love right and like do something that we just absolutely loved Grant was in construction at the time I was in water filtration and I was using our water filter to cold brew the coffee so we could actually clean the water and make sure it was really good water and Somehow we convinced Justin that it'd be a good idea to quit his finance job <laughs> and come on board with us. And then Hudson is an incredible marketer, designer. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, we all got together. And in Grant's background in construction, we could actually say, okay, here's what we're doing in this tiny apartment. How can we oh. scale this <clears throat> and create the construct for a brewery? Yeah. How can we actually turn something that we could only make like one keg a day? And how can we now create a process where we can make hundreds and thousands? Right. Um, so <clears throat> I think we just like naturally kind of used what we loved most about life, brought it to the table, and everybody fell in place. Justin started... Uh, delivering coffee and created our first sales and distribution team. Grant created the first brew team. Hudson created the first marketing team. Um, and we just all kind of said, well, we knew what our strengths were. We grew up together. Mm -hmm. And we said, let's, let's bring all of our strengths to the table and, yeah. you know, see what we can do here. And wasn't it somebody would come home late at night and <clears throat> brew, and then Justin would come at 4 a.m. and start driving around? Yep. Yeah, so... <laughs> That uh, those were the those were the days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Justin would pick me up at like about four or five a.m. We drive out to Grant's uh, a garage, pick up kegs, and then me and Justin would basically double park the car mm -hmm. uh -huh. and trade off and on which one was going up to this office. Okay, you take this one, I'll take the next one. Um, get parking tickets all over the place because oh, <clears throat> New York City is not an easy place no, to park, especially when you have you know clients in midtown yeah. and financial oh. district and so and then we take all the empty kegs load them in the back of justin's parents car and drive <laughs> back to grant's garage start cleaning them and repeat the cycle all over again you know i think like if justin was going away or if I was going away, we'd have to figure out who was going to be driving with us. Like, my mom drove with me one time. I remember I just, it. like, parking around. I'm sure he's got a million stories about who he had to take. Oh, yeah. Eventually, we launched the cafe, and then I started working more at the cafe, and then we had to start hiring people. And right. our first hires were both on the brewing side and on the distribution side. Um, and then we launched delancey cafe and then we had to even find people who were on the barista side so it all just started growing very naturally right um which was awesome and you know we were driven by that you know uh kind of energy that we loved what we were making and we knew what we were making was better tasting and better for you mm -hmm. than anything on the market mm -hmm. so it was like we don't know what the next step is and yeah we've all mm -hmm. just quit our jobs and we're going all in here but our product is really good mm -hmm. and we all knew each other and we're like our team is really good and this is hard work but this is really fun and it's worth it so we just kept going you know we kept brewing and kept going 
That's so great. And I feel like I haven't done a great job. I've got so excited about asking all the questions, so I don't know that we have like a clear timeline. I loved the talk that you did at Ludlow House mm -hmm. about everything. So let's see. So you all graduate college. You all, all kind of have jobs. And then Grant goes to Costa Rica. You do the cold brew thing. Cold brew becomes a thing. Mm -hmm. And then you all kind of think, oh, maybe we're on to something. So and then tell yeah. and then until y'all have the cafe so so we all love cold brew um and then we're like how can we scale this cold brew right um so at that point in time we're using a toddy in in my apartment which is a uh a system where you buy coffee grinds you pour you pour them in the toddy and then you pour water in the coffee grinds sit overnight and then uh in the morning you have cold brew um, that process takes 24 hours about you've got to get rid of coffee grinds all that kind of thing it also we were noticing how coffee wouldn't last very long like it wouldn't stay fresh yeah. you know, two or three days later oxygen would hit it the taste would be different so we're like okay how can we keg this so we started looking into like beer brewing methods I remember seeing people nitro in like a bunch of things one thing was uh Someone in the country was nitro and root beer, and talking about how root beer uh, combined with nitrogen tasted like a root beer float without having to add any ice cream. Right. So one of our friends was a beer brewer. I asked him, I was like, Rory, can you nitro this cold brew? And he's like, that's like asking a carpenter if he can cut wood. Like, oh, okay. Oh, wood. So literally bought, you know, tools from Brooklyn Homebrew, set up uh, my kitchen as like a nitro cold <laughs> brew facility. Um, cold brewed a big batch, uh, poured it into, you know, keg, cleaned the keg, bought all keg cleaning equipment, all that kind of stuff, poured it into a keg, and then we just started nitroing it. And uh, at that time, I think we thought that nitrogen would take better if a the keg was cold so we put it in my bathtub and uh -huh. got it real cold for a little while and then secondly if it the keg was in motion so <laughs> we hopped on my grandmother's rocking chair and started rocking the keg back and mm -mm. forth mm -mm. and uh, about six hours later poured out uh, the first glass of nitro cold brew that we'd ever seen so Wow, and what was that moment like? It was cascading, and we're just, you know, it was a creamy head, and we had no idea, um, you know, what what we were doing or what would be next, but we're like, this tastes great, you know? And, like, basically, like, same thing is, like, can't wait to show and share right. this with other people, and then right. uh, just kept on brewing from that point in time on, and uh, we haven't stopped. And all four of y'all were standing around pouring it out? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just picturing all of y'all. I, I love the rocking back and forth, right. the putting in the bathtub. <laughs> and then now tell us about like codes because it's I know that a lot of people when they start companies they start in their kitchen and then that's against code uh -huh. at some point if you're gonna yeah. serve it to people. Well, we were we were testing. You know, in my kitchen, figuring out, you know, how to do it, what coffee beans were the best, you know, oh, those yeah. first batches. We didn't sell out of my kitchen. Um, oh, okay. In terms of code, we, we moved into Grant's garage, I don't know, and then started selling out of there. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know if that was up to code or not. But we did test everything that sure. we sent out with all the agencies before we sent it out. Yeah. 
Um, so we were up to code in that way. But I think we said, you know, rule number one, let's not let anything slow us down as we're trying to launch this product. You know, I think people always constantly put roadblocks up in front of themselves mm -hmm. and say, I don't want to launch until I have oh, yep, sure. this amount of money or this advisor. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even have a name for our product for like two months. Mm -hmm. you know? wow. and we were selling it on tap. And I remember the first restaurant was like, hey, uh, like Bon Appetit magazine wants to do a story on the nitro cold uh -uh. brew, like, but we need a name. And we're like, well, we just don't have one. Right so now. what did you do? We, we didn't we didn't name it at that point. But we had a whiteboard um, that we put up and it was it would say, like, here's the names that we think this should be called. OK, here's the names that other people are calling it. Oh. And how does that kind of merge together? Um, we were driven by the fact that coffee's morning mm -hmm. uh, yeah. ritual and it provides people energy mm -hmm. um, to do awesome things so rising to the occasion mm -hmm. uh, rise and shine and and then we also heard people when we'd pour the coffee yeah. you saw, saw the cascade you'd see the bubbles rise yeah. up and they'd say should I drink it now or should I let it rise and we'd say well <gasps> oh, okay there yeah. you go um, you can have it whenever you want <laughs> Um, but that, that the word and like the energy of the word um, just kind of took us and we said, okay, let's call it Russ. Yeah. That's oh my a gosh. great name. And so from standing around the rocking chair, did the cafe or the bottling come first? Cafe came first in a way, but we actually canned our first nitro cold brew can. Uh, let me get this date correct, but in December of 2014. Uh, wow. Before we even launched the product, um, we we found a. I think we had one of the reasons we kegged the product was to actually um, a test out nitro coffee, see how it works. Um, but then secondly, we contacted a, a brewery in Pennsylvania, and we called hundreds of breweries to see if a brewery right, would actually course. nitro cold brew for us. Um, they, they, all all, no. they all said no. Um, but one said you can come in and use our equipment. Um, at that point in time, it was a mobile canning line. Um, but we were using a, a Dixie steamer, which is like a handheld mm -hmm. okay. thing. So we could do about four or five a day. You know, now we can do about <laughs> 400,000. Oh um, so we called, it, called them up. They said, come, come on over. Uh, we bought a, a drum of liquid nitrogen, put it in the back of Grant's pickup truck, drove out to Pennsylvania with kegs of cold brew, nitro cold brew. A liquid nitrogen drum that was just spilling nitrogen in oh the air. Uh -uh. It looked like we were like transportating like an atom oh, bomb or something. I bet. <laughs> it was in the like winter too. Just the like, what is going on uh -uh. here? Um, and uh, so we went there, and we they we got some got our hands on some widget cans, which is similar to the, the Guinness cans, and we literally set up a little line, poured you know the kegs off the draft, put a little liquid nitrogen on top captain with the Dixie Seamer, I'd say about 76 out of the 80 we did exploded in our <gasps> hands. Uh, but eventually we started, getting, started getting in the group. Figuring out the right number. Yeah, we, we came back with about a case of cans. Um, and Grant, Justin, and I were all going to uh, Florida for New Year's and packed them in a suitcase. Um, and then when we all finally met up in Florida, which was actually New Year's Eve, um, and we like took video of the whole thing, which is mm -hmm. cool. We bought Guinness cans, and we o opened up our first nitro cans, 
and poured them against the Guinness to see who had the better cascade. Okay. Um, and we actually had like a better cascade than a Guinness. And at that point in time, we're like, okay, we thought this was a company. Now this is truly, really a company. Right. Um, and then even whoever our friends were, they were in that kitchen at that moment. Everybody became either investors or co-founders of the team. Really Nobody left the kitchen without being a part of Rise after seeing oh, that first that's moment. So great. Really cool. And that's what is really it great. like working with friends? It's awesome. I mean, you know, there, there's definitely challenges, um, but the uh, highs are higher and mm -hmm. um, the lows can be lower, but probably for a shorter amount of time. Um, you know, I think we, we've been on sports teams together. You know, we grew up together. We, we've gone to concerts together, surfed together, the whole thing. You know each other's so families. So we know each other's families, everything. So we all feel like, you know, we're part of this awesome team and we can like lean on each other and like mm -hmm. attack, you know, the, mm -hmm. the day and mm -hmm. put up, feels like we're scoring points, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, as opposed right. to like we've been working mm -hmm. in a business in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and it's also awesome to see all of us grow, you right. know, and like mm -hmm. actually say, okay, well, in the early days, here's where we thought we were all going to be and here's what we thought we were going to do mm -hmm. as a job. And we didn't really know much about the beverage industry. We didn't right. really know much about, you know, what we were doing. And now to see this like mm -hmm. years later and how everybody's grown and become yeah. just like so knowledgeable and mm -hmm. like, um, and just, you know, it's, it's an awesome thing to see, uh, you know, be, and then I think it all is because we just like have a love for each other and a passion for the company. And yeah. It feels like our baby and mm -hmm. uh, our mm -hmm. baby's growing up, Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we want to mm -hmm. give it the uh, best, um, upbringing. Be <laughs> best upbringing possible. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And the consumer packaged goods is industry market is so interesting coming from Barney's I did a panel talk with a woman who had created a chocolate company and things like that and it was so fascinating to hear her talk about getting into these stores and how you have meetings like a year in advance and you say all the different times you're going to mark down the product and even getting into a store like that seems very intense so how in the world did you go about all of that so you know we were once again, I think the product kind of took us places mm -hmm. and, you know, we were fortunate enough to be very early in the mm -hmm. nitro cold yeah. brew mm -hmm. game, if not, mm -hmm. if not the earliest. I think we we're probably the first nitro cold brew coffee kegerator in an office that right. we'd ever heard of. You know, yeah. that, and that was because we had no business plan and no name at that time. Mm -hmm. So when someone mm -hmm. asked if they could get coffee in their office, we're like, yeah, of course, sure. <laughs> we do that all the time. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think for us to get into stores, like a lot of people became very interested in cold brew and we were different because we weren't just cold brew. We were organic cold brew and mm -hmm. we weren't just organic cold brew. We were organic nitro, nitro. cold brew. Yeah. And so I think we became probably the first company to really just focus on the category of nitro um, with the foundation of being both organic and, and cold brewed. So um, doors opened for us. And then when the doors were open, they tasted the product and it was really good mm -hmm. and so then the next move was to meet the team and right. you know, we're we're all very capable as well and and also just very you know driven to basically share this product with as many people as possible right. mm -hmm. so we we would seek distributors out um, the majority of the ones that we contacted in the first year year and a half 
basically didn't return our phone calls, but we built our own um, sales and distribution team and we built our own list of clients that eventually the distributors were like, okay, we want to work with these guys, mm -hmm. you know, because they have uh, clientele. And, and to do that, we were just, you know, walking into doors. We still do that today. Mm -hmm. You know, cool restaurant. Uh, uh, yeah. We would just walk right in and be like, hey, sure. you ever had nitro coffee? Why don't you try this? Um, so I think that was, uh, mm -hmm. that was how we ended up uh, getting into a lot of accounts. And then once you start working with distributors, um, you know, we do a lot of like drive alongs and stuff like that, where you end up meeting like the owners of the, mm. the stores and mm -hmm. um, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, going to trade shows, you end up meeting a lot of the right. buyers. So, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, the early days was just literally um, being proud of the product, always having it on you and yeah. walking in and sampling with whoever, uh, whoever gave you the time of day. Right. And then how did the cafe, the idea for the cafe, what are the steps to open a cafe? Are you going to expand? I think, I think we will. I think we, we enjoy having our flag in the ground in the markets that, you know, we um, have a lot of salespeople and, and we're making a big play in. Um, I think we realize that you learn a lot from being on the ground right. of what the next trends are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for instance, our oat milk lattes, right. you know, we were, our first cafe we launched originally with just nitro cold brew black coffee. Mm -hmm. Okay. And if somebody said, hey, I want a macchiato, we'd say, okay, perfect. There's an awesome macchiato down the street. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and, and we would actually figure out where the best macchiato was or yeah. where the Amazing. best like latte was or all those things so that we could build trust with people and say, hey, look, this right. is what we do. If you want to get that, right. you know, go over there. Yeah. Here's a sample. Oh yeah. Um, so try our product, and, yeah. and and then if they Brilliant. really didn't like black coffee, they might not drink it, but they might bring a friend that does. Oh yeah. And and that kind of you know really started uh, the groundswell, but eventually we added milk, and when we added milk, we said okay, let's add all the milks, figure out which one mm -hmm. you know moves the best, basically which one do we have to buy. Uh, mm -hmm. more of okay mm -hmm. that's right. the one that we're selling the most of and we were not really dairy drinkers on our mm -hmm. team so uh, we bought a bunch of dairy-free milks as well and quickly 70 we found out that 70 percent of our consumers were dairy-free latte drinkers and mm -hmm. people would come by and be like you have the best vegan latte in the city and oh we took a lot of pride in that so we started figuring out what milks were the best yeah uh, in the dairy-free world and we had nut alternatives and non-nut alternatives mm -hmm. um, and eventually you know it, it, it led us into cashew milk on the nut side because it was creamy mm -hmm. um, and uh, mixed well with the coffee yeah you know, almond milk mm -hmm. at that time and so milk can kind of separate yeah and then if it and sometimes okay. and especially at the organic natural ones mm -hmm. you know and um, coconut is great too but can be a little sweet and, and a little yeah. light and rice is good but that's a little watery and thin yeah. um, but cashew is creamy uh -huh. and uh, and so then once we found oat milk we loved all the attributes that we loved about cashew milk all the attributes that we liked about dairy milk but didn't really want to drink as much dairy um, and it was a natural fit for us. And mm -hmm. that became that's our so top great. seller at the cafes. And then that's what we canned. And to make our oat milk lattes, we actually had to make our own oat milk because we were looking into the industry and trying to actually get an oat milk supplier, but there weren't any organic oat milks right. out there that we, we liked. Right. Um, and so we said, okay, well, what do we like about the oat milk brands that we like? Mm -hmm. And how can we replace what is not organic there mm -hmm. and just do it in an organic mm -hmm. way? Um, so we did that. And um, 
launched our oat milk latte line and then uh shortly thereafter you know we started playing around with just launching oat milk right um, because we said look there's a this is something once again that as consumers back mm-hmm. in the day we wanted what we were brewing at home mm-hmm. to be available on shelves right and this is the same thing yeah like where we say we want organic oat milk that tastes awesome on shelves we're brewing this at home and in the brewery now but you know we wish we could buy it at whole foods or wherever else yeah so we said why don't we just see if we can launch this and started sampling it at a, a trade show expo west and it went really well and, and now we're going to launch that line as well so you can get the rise oat milk that's launching soon yeah oh great yep. yeah you know i always have had half and half yep. in my coffee mm-hmm. everything else is just too thin you know but oat milk it's perfect so I agree. i'm so glad yeah i think i think it i think oat milk is the dairy the free. dairy drinkers dairy free milk right you know right um it's it, it's got it natural sweetness like mm-hmm. whole milk does and it's naturally it's creamy really just creamy. like whole milk too yeah so how long did it take to go from idea to product on a shelf so product on tap at a restaurant so idea was basically i think the first days we were cold brewing uh were early 2014 Um, And then the first time we got onto a shelf was in April 2015 uh, on tap uh, at Colony Restaurant. Yeah. And then the first time we actually got the cans that we made at the end of 2014 um, onto a shelf, I believe, was early 2016. Okay. So um, it's definitely... Going really fast. It's it's fast and a process at the same time. You know, time is... Yeah both fast and slow oh, the, yeah. the days are long yes. and the years are fast yes. you know? oh god <laughs> saying that it's, oh lord yeah <laughs> actually we've been doing this for a year and a half but it feels like about 30 years <laughs> yeah oh, like sometimes yeah but yeah we used to can everything we we got a uh turned our first brewery um into both a brewery and a canning facility and brought a, a mobile canner in there and would pick up everybody from New York City and drive out to the brewery in Connecticut at like you know 6 a.m. and mm-hmm. everybody would can until about 4 p.m. and we used to have stickers that we put up on the wall to show like what our record was Neat. at that time, how many we could can. Yeah. It started with a couple hundred, started then a thousand, then a couple thousand. Wow. I think we worked it all the way up to about 20,000 until we had to start even figuring out how to scale past that. Wow. Oh my God. That's great. And so where do the beans, where do all the, the ingredients come yeah, from? Yeah, so the beans are from Chanchamayo, Peru. Okay. Um, and we actually used to buy our coffee beans at a cafe called Puerto Rico. And there's a couple of them in New York City. P-O-R-T-O Rico. Wow. Um, and you walk in there and it's just burlap bags of beans. Neat. And they have a little sign that says, here's how much it is per pound. Mm-hmm. It's either organic, it's a dark roast, it's a light roast. And we actually started blending a dark roast and a light roast, and that was the first coffee, uh, organic Peruvian bean that was a dark and a light roast. Mm-hmm. And that was the first one that we started yeah. selling at Colony. And then eventually we started working with a roaster, and they're like, okay, well, you don't have to blend the beans. We can yeah. we can, oh, we can actually yeah. hit that profile right, that you're right. looking for. But I, it was cool because, you know, we were so driven by flavor that we could tell the difference mm-hmm. if it was all dark or if it was mm-hmm. all light or if it was 60% and uh, dark and 40% light or if mm-hmm. it was vice versa, you know. Yeah. We, we ended up really refining it and I think the cool thing about cold brew is without the acidity it really brings out the notes of coffee Mm -hmm. a lot more I feel like the acidity can kind of Mm -hmm. uh, even the playing field a lot Mm -hmm. and I remember 
growing up, you know, my mom drank coffee all the time and she'd just be like, oh, grab me a coffee. And it didn't matter if it was McDonald's yeah. or Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or a gas station or whatever it was. It was, it was just <laughs> coffee and caffeine. I think cold brew kind of brought this enlightenment to coffee where it was almost like now considered mm-hmm. like a wine where oh, you could bring exactly. out the earthy notes or the oh, chocolatey yeah. right, notes. Right, and right. We were really searching for the bean that both the best celebrated cold brew yeah. having acidity. Um, and the beans that we found are naturally chocolatey tasting. I know. And like naturally sweet. And, uh, and and But yet also still dark enough um, that it tastes like a coffee on the right. aftertaste, which is important for us too. Right. Yeah. I mean, it literally tastes like a milkshake in the morning. And every day when I wake up, I can say, oh, I'm so excited to get out of bed, even if I'm tired, because now I can drink coffee, my <laughs> rice, delicious milkshake. Me too. Yeah. And then how has, I feel like the press world has been so kind and generous to y'all. How has all of that gone? That's gone good. I think a lot of that was being on the innovative side of, of, you know, of Nitro and Mm -hmm. and, and, and Cold Brew. So I think that we were uh, fortunate enough to um, come out with one of the earliest forms of Nitro Cold Brew. And it was something that really hit and people wanted to cover it and say how did this happen and, and so a lot of our press uh came from just naturally telling our story right which has been awesome and then uh starbucks launched nitro cold brew about a year and a half or so after we were doing it and so many of our early conversations were trying to educate people on what nitrogen was right. and what nitro and why mm-hmm. nitro and coffee and it's not bad for you it's good for you you know 79 percent of the air is nitrogen and we're just taking that and putting it into our mm-hmm. coffee and then those bubbles are rising uh, yeah. uh, off the glass similar to a guinness and creating a creamy head and nitrogen's a preservative but early on people thought nitro was like chemically and uh, like, sure you know energy drinking and all that kind of thing exactly. yeah. it's the most organic thing right so uh when starbucks came out with it i think that put way more eyes on nitro and it really helped create a category yeah. which was mm-hmm. awesome for us and have you had some celebrity fans how has that helped with sales or brand awareness yeah. oh you know i don't it definitely helps um or like people magazine yeah like yeah said. All, all of it helps and you know i think we get a lot of celebrities that come into our cafe or buy our cans and we don't really um you know share that with people i think we keep everything on the yeah. on, mm-hmm. on more of a mm-hmm. private side but mm-hmm. um it always helps you know and, and when they post about it or something like that like i'm sure that that certainly helps sales it definitely doesn't hurt um but i think you know w- one thing is is we're in new york city too so mm-hmm. there are a lot of tourists and a lot of uh celebrities that come in and out of New York City so it's been really helpful for us and I think really having like standing for something which is being organic and and great tasting um, brings people back I think so too and I think there are so many companies and businesses that are built now all about you know we're we're a tech company we're gonna we're gonna say we're going to make this product and but the goal is to make money and instead you have something that you're passionate about and that you you know you're sharing together the feeling of community the feeling that the the way that you all collaborate with other brands and things like that I think that comes across very naturally and it's you know it's not just all about making the money if that happens and that is happening that's wonderful but 
it's more about the passion for what you're doing. Definitely. And that comes across. And that's why the press would be friendly to you, too. Yeah, and I think and the, everyone. the collaboration side that you're touching on was mm-hmm. one of the bigger things for us. And collaborating with the restaurants that we serve on mm-hmm. tap with, but also, you know, collaborating in a can with um, Juice Press, which mm-hmm. is, you know, there's right. 80 of them in New York City. Yeah, when we first started collaborating with them. And they also had just a similar mission. I think we were... Uh, attracted to them because their mission was to make all organic juices Mm -hmm. um, and and our mission was all organic coffee and I think that having that same commonality like Mm -hmm. brought us together Um, and uh, yeah we we still you know we in our cafes now we collaborate with all sorts of brands that we Mm -hmm. bring in and do pop-ups and I think it's just a mentality of um, wanting to share the best of their products and our products and get our teams together right. and bring our communities together. Bring I think our that's another together, reason yeah. why this has worked because it's the feeling of, you know, there's room for everybody and we, we want, we welcome all of this. Yeah, that's 100%. how we are too. Yes, yep. exactly. 100%. And then, so would you say creating a new flavor comes from either a trend or just something in general that you like and then, oh, maybe we could make a coffee flavor out of that? Yeah, I think it starts with what we like. You know, I think you, um, it probably won't, doesn't always have to be that way, but it has been that way for us. I think we want to make sure that it's something that we love and enjoy. I think, uh, you know, Steve Jobs said, uh, we innovate by making products that our engineers want to use. And I think we innovate by brewing products that uh, people on our team want to drink. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so um, mm-hmm. we're constantly playing around with uh, what we could nitro and different mm. kind of coffee beans or, you know, different milks and yeah. different flavors and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, I think I think we like feeling like we're not selling anything. Right. You know, we feel like we're sharing and and. And it's because we're proud of our product. We drink it every day, too. So we want right. to make, you know, if I'm drinking five or ten coffees a day, I want to make sure it tastes good and it's good for me. And so when you're proud of what you're making, you don't feel like you're selling it. You feel no. like you're just sharing it with people. Right. And then they'll decide if this will work with their community or their lifestyle. Right. right. Exactly. I know. Because we've talked about before that you said, well, we would be, we wish that we could just give it away to everybody right. for free. Well, that's <laughs> what we feel when we're with designers that we're really believe in it's like we it's not that we want you to come spend money so much as that we just want you to know about this wonderful creative brand and everything so it's yeah. the same kind of thing and then that just happens naturally yep. when that happens it works yep. right yep do we have any upcoming fabulous flavors uh, we do <laughs> um, you know I, I i think that it's when we were in the early days you know we were a little bit um looser with talking mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. when we were sure. watching some mm-hmm. course and then all of a sudden it might not happen oh, and, mm, uh, yeah, you know, right. for a variety of reasons right so yeah. we don't really talk about it as much anymore but yes we 100 percent do thinking. and i think we're gonna launch a flavor or two okay uh, at expo west um, and which is in march so okay not too far away but yeah and when will the oatmeal when did you say we could get the oat milk around that time as well okay um, great yeah. Bibi always calls it oatmeal, which is hilarious to think about. It's the same as back in uh, the days of nitro. You know? Yeah. It's an education process right, right. now that's going on. So right. on the oat milk side, we're rooting for all the brands that we love that yeah. do awesome oat sure. milk. 
um, because it's just creating a category for people. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, right. it's a new thing. Yeah, definitely. And how did you go about building your team? That is such an important part of the business. Yeah, I, th- I think we started by, you know, giving them free coffee. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I think, I, you know, I think we just kind of, we attracted people with the energy that, mm-hmm. you know, um, brought us together. Um, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, like being inclusive, being, being collaborators, mm-hmm. being proud of what we're brewing. Um, I think also just being proud of the ingredients that we use and uh, ingredients for people that are on the team, ingredients for things that are mm-hmm. in our product. And I think that naturally attracted people that um, even people. if they didn't drink coffee, they mm-hmm. were attracted by that. Um, yeah. And so I think building the team is um, something that we love where mm-hmm. we are we love our whole team mm-hmm. um and uh you know there's not a real recipe for it mm-hmm. um, yeah you know we do work with companies that help uh you know generate like resumes and yeah. people who are interested mm-hmm. in it but mm-hmm. a lot of time it happens just by like a friend of a friend yeah. or someone mm-hmm. who comes to the cafe mm-hmm. or or even a brand that we love um you know I, I think like our our head of sales now came from she was the head of uh, sales for Healthy Kombucha, mm-hmm. uh, Abby Reddick, and mm-hmm. she's incredible. And we always just loved what Health Aid was right. doing, mm-hmm. both on the ingredient side and like seeing you know them on shelves at all the right. places we wanted to yeah. be at. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so I think you know you just start becoming friends with people and once again collaborating yeah. on, on events and stuff like that, and then you just start meeting people and. Uh, when the positions open up and the timing works, then it yeah. works. Female founded, help aid. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Got to get in that plug. Yep. Okay, fundraising. How did you decide to fundraise? How did you go about that? Yeah, in, yeah, in, the, in the early days, I think it gets back into team building. We, we wanted to do a friends and family round with mm. our friends, um, people that were in uh, my parents' kitchen for that first oh, opening yeah. of the cans, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to make it easy at first and say, this is what we need to get going. Um, we didn't take salaries, really. And oh, yeah. know, I could think I was making about $50, $40 a day at the cafe, all based on tips. You know? right. <laughs> um, but uh, we just started out and said, look, if we have a really long process here if we do convertible notes if we do a lot more complicated things oh gosh um it just is going to take longer um and it's gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna lose some focus on what is actually important which is let's try and make this there. product and get it out there and mm-hmm. see if we can sell it to one person then see if that one person can sell it to somebody as well mm-hmm. um and that was like the, the driving force for us and then you know now as we as we scale um it's it's different, you know. We need a we need more money to grow right, fuel. Sure. Um, but at that point in time, I think it was just you know we made it really easy, and and we also made it feel like everybody was part of the team, and they were, and everybody on our team now on on the investment side. Like mm-hmm. when we do launch a new flavor, we sample it with them yeah. and say, hey, how does this taste? Like, right. what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. And we like to have people who you know um, aren't just looking for an investment, but they're they're rooting for you. Yeah, they're, they want yeah. to be on the team. Yeah. You know, and, and then they're like, this is an awesome product. This is a great team. Let's let's do this yeah. together. You know. And what are some funny stories? They were not funny at the time, I'm sure, but 
well, the Rocky in any business. I know. Yeah. That's tough. It's hilarious. Um, I mean, you know, it was. I think. I think the early days of just like trying to figure out how to can <laughs> nitro <laughs> cold beer. Like there's cans exploding everywhere, and there's it's more bark than bite. Uh-huh. You know, oh, it's, okay. It, it's such a loud noise, but like not too much happens. Like there's not shrapnel going on. Oh, the yeah. <laughs> but like the first time people hear the can explode, they're like, oh, oh I don't know if I should be working here. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> it was like first that. job yeah. out of you know college. Like what did I sign up for here? I got picked up in a snowstorm at 6 a.m. Oh, drove hilarious. to a brewery uh-huh. in Connecticut an hour and a half away of... and like there's like bombs exploding yeah. in, this, in this brewery. But um, yeah, I mean like even, even on that side we used to, when we were trying to figure out how to can and then clean the can before mm. it went in the package, we'd put it in a little water uh, container, mm-hmm. you know, and, like dip it through water and then, mm-hmm. and then dry it and then, and then package it. And as it turned out, when we put the cans in the water container and those cans would explode, then they had something to bounce off of. Mm. So those cans would shoot up like bullets oh and like fly and like make holes in, holes in the ceiling because <laughs> it would explode. The, the, the lid would pop off and uh-huh. then it would just propel it to like fly <laughs> the ceiling. So like hysterical. literally that was, um, yeah, we, we, we had to stop a little dangerous that process. There. That was a little yeah. dangerous. Um, Funny because no one got hurt. Right, right. I'm gonna go. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Oh my god. So they're now canned, bottled in Connecticut and Portland. Yeah, we we have our whole canning process uh, to scale with. uh, um, It's kind of a little bit at this point in time. It's still innovative the industry there's not a lot doing it so it's kind of secretive how we do it i guess but oh um, no i just meant where yeah yeah. okay well no you can't even tell you can't oh lord spies might be okay 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 people just like we have elves in the north and south pole (laughs) we're working overtime depending on the time of year (laughs) ready for the holidays oh my god Hysterical. <laughs> uh, what was it like? Well, I guess you grew up in Greenwich, but I was going to say, what was it like growing up in New York, but even being so close to New York? Yeah, um, you know, it, it was awesome. I mean, like, me, Grant, and Justin all grew up in Greenwich together. Um, Hudson grew up in New York. But, yeah, I mean, having New York City close by was incredible, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, just the culture and the restaurants and the love for food and taste I right. think was like was really important like looking back on it like I think you know having access to some of the world's best restaurants mm-hmm. kind of naturally drives you to you know care about taste more right. uh, of mm-hmm. things you know um, so I think that was really important for us for developing the flavor but you know rooting for sports teams and mm-hmm. the whole thing like New York was awesome oh yeah um, but to be honest you know Greenwich was Connecticut's awesome too. Yeah. Oh, it's so and, awesome. And I think mostly like we had such a tight knit group right. of friends that we barely Small ever community. wanted to leave. Like right. I still my favorite, you know, party is a house party and oh, you know, yeah. like yeah. dinners with friends and right. stuff like that is better to I love be taking Metro North out clubs, to so. Greenwich. Yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah. god. See my clients. Oh, yeah. I've been out there twice this week. Yeah, the week. train's awesome too. And I think it's that's awesome. been very helpful for us to attract people from New York and Connecticut right. is to know that it's a really easy train commute. Oh, um, yes, and definitely. get some work done. And, yeah. Where can people find Rise Coffee? So we sell Rise now, I believe, in every state. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we sell on Amazon. It's mm-hmm. a great way to find us. Yes. Um, we sell in Whole Foods, Safeway. Uh, we launched at Walmart. Uh, we're about to, yeah, about 2,500 Walmarts. Um, and we're about to launch in Kroger. 
And then, you know, a lot of natural groceries like Erewhon and oh, bodegas all over all over New York City and um, a lot of a lot of natural grocery yeah. markets and like yeah. markets where you kinda of go in mm-hmm. to buy some groceries and also get some prepared food. Mm-hmm. What is next for Rod? I think I think next is like, you know, further uh, penetration into mm-hmm. each of the states and making sure, like, you know, that we're wherever, sure whenever not. somebody wants a rise or wants a mm-hmm. really good coffee, specifically a really good nitro coffee, we want to be there. Mm-hmm. So um, creating more uh, sales channels, mm-hmm. uh, more, more brand ambassadors mm-hmm. to help promote those sales channels. Um, we just became, uh, this last year, we sponsored the U.S. surfing team and the U.S. Oh, climbing that's cool. team. that's smart. And both are going to be Olympic sports uh, yeah. in 2020. Fabulous. So, um, yeah, I think getting that's behind great. more, like, national marketing campaigns. Yes. And, um, and, and well, and surfing makes sense for y'all. You know, it's 100%. not like you're, you know, I feel like everything you do has something to do with you all. And I think it's neat, too, the way you... As now you're married and you're having babies and you know you're just growing together like you have been forever and now you're growing this baby together and it's just so great. Understand? Yeah, this is the amazing this is the times. biggest wave of our life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then what about internationally? Yeah, international. We're, we're definitely exploring that for sure. Um, I think very early on uh, we spoke with. Uh, Coca-Cola mm-hmm. back before we even had cans um, and one of the head of beverage at Coca-Cola who was just on a trip from Japan to try out coffee mm-hmm. um, was like when you guys are ready to come to Japan like let me yeah, know. Yeah that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be cool. So be courageous uh, be um, out of the box and be kind. And that's, and that's it's almost like Check something I want to like tap every day yeah. <laughs> you know, right. at exactly. the brewery like a football player coming yeah. to the locker room. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, I think I think, I think we've built ourselves, our, our company, and our, our ability to scale right. so that we can go internationally. Um, there's still a lot of ground to cover in the U.S., mm-hmm. so we don't want to divert too much of our attention. But mm-hmm. at the same point in time, um, there's not a lot of nitro coffee in a lot of different other countries, right. and um, we want to be there. You know, yes. Early on, people are like, "Well, what's your plan? Do you want to go international? Do you want to, you know, go outside of the state of New York?" You know, mm-hmm. originally people are like, "You got to go check. deep in there. I'll stay focused." And mm-hmm. oh, two weeks into it, we're shipping out eggs <laughs> to Nashville and Los Angeles, yeah, like you right. know, yeah. meeting trucks on the road. That's actually one of the funnier stories yeah. too. Like, oh my gosh. We literally had like a 16-wheeler truck be like, "Okay, so guys, where's the brewery?" And it's, you know. Grant's garage at this time. It's like, oh, well, it's uh, this like kind of suburban Connecticut area, windy roads. And they're like, I'm in this windy road. Like, where's the brewery? Like, it's got to be coming up somewhere. I can't, I can't drive any longer. And we're like, okay, well, where are you? And so we like literally just put a pallet of kegs in the back of. Uh, pickup truck and drove to meet the oh, 16 wheeler and just pushed it, <laughs> pushed the, the kegs in there like it was like refueling out. a plane in the air or something yes. like that. And, um, but people said go deep and narrow, and and we we did you know. But we we kind of said okay, well if something's working, let's, tried, let's put it out it there. Kept, we tried, yeah. yeah. And like Los Angeles ended up working really well, so right. we kept building it. Um, but we'd say like you know well, what's your plan? We say well. If, People are gonna be drinking coffee on the moon. We want to be there too. So, oh, yeah. uh, at the end of the day, like when people come to our cafes in New York, 
we have one in uh, Oregon as well, uh, right outside of Portland. And mm-hmm. It's called Happy Valley. But when people come to our cafes, then they'll send us an email and be like, hey, I'm from New Zealand. Where can I get your How coffee? How can we get it right? And that, that was something that drove us to say, like, we want to make sure that we, we have, have an answer nimble. for that person. And, yeah, we only want to be do. everywhere. So. You have no idea where you'll be this time next year. I no. mean, that's what's so fascinating. Yeah. It's the same thing with us. Yeah. These yeah. things keep popping up, and you're like, oh, well, I didn't know we'd be going to San Francisco this year or right. L.A. or New Zealand or wherever you end up. You know, it's just exciting. Life's such an adventure. Mm -hmm. So there's 79 Delancey Street, and there's one on Great Jones Street. So those are the two New York City cafes. Yep, and then there's one in uh, Portland, Oregon, and Mm -hmm. and there's probably going to be another one or two in the next... uh, the next little while. Okay. And would you have any advice for aspiring entrepreneurs? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, don't don't put up roadblocks in front of yourself. There's mm-hmm. going to be plenty of those as you go down your road. Um, if you have an idea, see if you can sell that idea to, to one person and see if that one mm-hmm. person can sell it to somebody who you've never met before. Right. And, uh, and do whatever it takes to, to try and get to that point as soon as possible mm-hmm. you know um, I, I just see a lot of young entrepreneurs trying to create a perfect plan oh, and, yeah. mm-hmm. and it takes forever and by the time they get their perfect plan yeah. the perfect advisor puts much money into that yeah, and, 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 and that idea is like no longer a new novel idea right you know? and so. I, I think too like um you know, if you're in it to be famous, it's never going to work. If you're in it strictly for the money, it's never going to work. It has to be something that you can live and die by whatever something that you know you really have a ton of passion for yeah good uh, a good investor told me one time they don't they don't invest in companies if uh the founder or founding team wants to be king they invest in companies Mm -hmm. if the founding team wants to be successful i like that amazing well thank you so much Mm -hmm. jared for sharing your incredible story yes yes and we cannot wait for everyone to taste rise if you have not already based on our instagram since we talk about it all the time but definitely buy it and take pictures share it with us tag at rise brewing co and at the style that finds us so we can share on our pages too we really want to know what you think about it and i know that the team would love that too because that probably is what drives you is hearing from these random people you've never met and thank you for including us on your blog too we've had a lot of messages since then about I've ordered it ordered it oh yeah Melissa does an incredible job yeah she's so great she's amazing yeah yeah I know I love the pictures of y'all's team everybody's you know all there together yeah so cute okay well Well, we we drink coffee together we drink beer together yeah (laughs) we we celebrate together we we argue together raise your families uh, together raise our families together you know yeah yeah okay good well thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you next time If you like what you heard, tell a friend about our show, subscribe to our podcast, and also scroll to the bottom and give a rating and or a review. Those are the best ways for other people to find out about our podcast. See you next time. Bye.